Not heard the latest about pooping prime ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? Because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the Totally Buzzed podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed. Football beef! Disclaimer, the following is an opinion-based podcast. Hello and welcome to Football Beef. I'm your host Laura and this month we're recapping the Premier League just as it's about to sail off into a nice long break. So you may be listening to this in December because you want to recap to remember where you are after a World Cup has mixed up all your thought and made you forget everything that's happened in the Premier League so far. But we're here to discuss the last month of Premier League action and where that leaves us as it stands. I am joined to debate the Premier League current standings by Daniel the Red Devil Jones. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. Tommy, the Professor of Football Manager Pittman. Hello. And John, the Geordie Messiah, Vibes FC Master, Squires. Vibes, 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 vibes. Hello. So, we're going to obviously kick off with the most obvious thing we need to talk about. We need to talk about the race at the top of the table. Arsenal, Man City, Arsenal atop. I know we're going to take these I want to stop get, you there, we Laura. We will get to the team just behind, but we're going to focus on the Arsenal-Man City narrative and then wow. we'll come to where you're coughing at. But wow. Arsenal-Man City... media bias. Yes, and you're part of it now. <laughs> so, mainstream media bias. God. So Arsenal atop, technically at Christmas, because of how results have gone, and Man City obviously dropped points in their last game. Brentford title race are we still and feel like it's Man City or are we actually starting to believe more and more in Arsenal now I'm going to start with Daniel because he was the most anti-Arsenal and he's slowly going maybe in the last podcast so is he in the yes train yet they can win the league in Arteta we trust it's been a crazy crazy roller coaster obviously for the last few years for Arsenal but who the hell am I to dispel what they've got going on at the moment they're one of two one of two most informed teams in the league at the moment. In fact, like a man scared of being slapped in the face. Continue. But no, yeah, no, I am scared of him. I'm not going to disparage his beautiful Newcastle. Current run of form, Newcastle are the best. But yeah, Arsenal are playing absolutely phenomenal football. But I, I can't rule Man City out. I think it's too early to completely say that it's Arsenal's title because it just isn't. Don't forget, we're going into the World Cup. Erling Haaland isn't going. He's got a month to sit there in a dark room somewhere, just completely brooding. And I feel like once the World Cup's over, you know, energy levels are going to be a little bit lower for most of the most of the league, or the best players in the league. And I feel like we're going to see an absolute monster unleashed. But it, uh, it remains to be seen at the moment. I'm a little bit like Daniel, I think. Obviously, Arsenal have... They've shown some really good form to be where they are. And, you know, Man City have slipped up a couple of times. Um, obviously, a, a draw against us and and then losing to Brentford. Recently, well, obviously, Villa Val? Yeah. Villa? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I think after the World Cup, I think obviously, like like Diana said, with, with Haaland not going, I think he's just going to be sat there for, for what, 40, 42 days or something, just going, right, I'm going to score all the goals and we're going to win the league. And I just I just feel that the breaks probably come at a good time for Man City in that they've got like, you know, a few of the players will go away at the World Cup that keep some of the, you know, the star player is going to be staying with them. And I just feel the breaks come at a good time for them to sort of reset and just go again after. Whereas Arsenal, I think it's come at the wrong time, the top of the league. And then as soon as the league restarts, the pressure's on them to continue that form. And Are you saying the momentum might be a little bit disrupted yeah, then? It's yeah. that flow. Yeah, and I'm probably going to talk about the same thing a bit later on. Spoilers. But I, again, being being top of Christmas this season means absolutely nothing. It's, it's not fi- the same energy, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's, fi- it's 15 games and, you know, you haven't you haven't played everyone once. And obviously we've had that game week postponed because of the Queen, RIP. It's, it's, not a good, it's not a good way to judge it going, oh, you know, like Wolves are bottom at Christmas, Arsenal are top at Christmas, Newcastle are in the Champions League places at Christmas. It's not, it's not like a normal Christmas, but... I still think it's going to be it's going to be a tough title race, but I just feel like Man City have got a little bit more. They've been in that position before, and a lot of the Arsenal players haven't. You know, it's one of the young, it's the youngest squad in the Premier League. I don't know if they've got that that experience to be is able to the, sort of. Is it telling that they 
I know this is technically Christmas again, but Arsenal top of the Premier League at Christmas for the first time since the 2007-2008 season. And I think the inexperience there, it'll, it'll show a little bit later on, you know, maybe some game management a little bit after after Christmas, whereas Man City, you know, they've, they've been in this position before. Liverpool were top. You know, Man City have gone on runs where they haven't lost a game for, I can't remember the number, but it was a, it was a long time. <laughs> and that basically dragged them to the title. So I just... Yeah, I still think it's Man City's to lose, but it's nice to see that obviously with Liverpool not playing very well this year, that there still is another team up there instead of it just being like a, a walk in the park for City. I think it's a case of when injuries come and stuff like that, because they're like factors we can't predict, that sort of vibe. Of course, but, of course. I'd also go with, I, I guess it is that it's not a ridiculous swing at the moment. I think was Man City and Liverpool swing at one point when Man City ended up winning like a fourteen point swing or some there was some swing ages ago which was quite yeah I, I like yeah I think but I like but like what you said that was what was it fifteen fourteen fifteen games and like you said there might not be that many points to overturn across like the three extra games or whatever but it but it could be done you know like you wouldn't expect Brentford to beat City like they've done. And that's City dropping three points there. And, you know, Arsenal could drop a couple of points here and there. They could lose a game. They could say they could lose to Newcastle and draw a game. And Man City could win two games. And that's five points Man City have picked up across two weeks. And that, that's possible. That is very possible. Brentford didn't do. beat City. Brentford beat Haaland. You know, Arsenal could uh, play Newcastle and Newcastle could beat them. And I don't think that would be a shock result based on how results have gone recently. Well, I mean, Man United so, beat Man United beat Arsenal, so by playground rules, we are the best team. Yeah, we'll go with that. Throw it to Tommy, Liverpool Thanks fan who's that. witnessed Man City claw the gap, and you know it's always been Liverpool, Man City, and Man City never seemed to drop points when Liverpool, and now Man City are dropping points when Arsenal need them. Does he think Arsenal can do it? Before this weekend, no, and I was like. Arsenal doing well, but Man City are Man City. Any other season, I'd probably say Man City, because this is always like the time of year that they tend to start building up like massive momentum. I wouldn't say it's unheard of for them to like lose a game like around this time, like getting into November, December. But then they just build up like a massive winning run where they win 15 matches in a row and you go, well, what else could we have done? After the weekend, I've come away from it being like, Arsenal Arsenal are going to win the league. But the only thing is their squad depth. Like, I think if they get a couple of injuries in like a couple of areas, like if Jesus gets injured, I know he's not scored that many goals, but... He's vital to everything else. He's, he's, he's no, like, no, he really just, isn't. He not, really, he really isn't. is. It's embarrassing. No, it's embarrassing as football fans that you keep saying Jesus without even... Like, no one yet has mentioned Odegaard. Like, if Odegaard gets Odegaard in... Odegaard doesn't get Trump enough credit. He's a carbon if Odegaard, people if over then. If, if Odegaard gets injured, uh, Arsenal crumble. Uh, if Xhaka gets uh, injured, Arsenal yeah, crumble. That, 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 that's my thing about Arsenal, is that they've not had injuries yet. Maybe they won't get, like, those big injuries, or maybe it'll be, like, a week or two and they'll be fine. They managed well, January to transfer window is literally closer than when they come back, because obviously we come back at yeah. the end of December, so it was only a couple more weeks and they might be able to get stuff. Yeah. The reason I think Arsenal are going to win is just because I feel like City this season, it feels more like the season when Liverpool won the title, where some things, like, just in random matches, City just lose or drop points, and you're like, oh, that's a bit weird. But especially where they, you know, had been just, like, destroying everybody with Erling Haaland. It's going to be very close. Like, you wouldn't be massively surprised if, after the World Cup, like, to Haaland has had a month off. He's just sat there being like, I didn't score against Brentford. That's unacceptable. I need to score six goals in every match that I play from now on, and he just does it, and they win every game until the end of the season. Because you've all said it. Are you all on the basis that it's better to be the rested? Because obviously there is an argument to be made that the players who play at the World Cup keeping their momentum going, some of them could be benefit from that. You I mean, there is that. There is. You know what argument. I mean? Because you're still playing. You're not sitting. You're not going to get yourself back in the mode. You're constantly still chugging away. Well, put into perspective, up until this summer, Erling Haaland was playing in the Bundesliga. So he was effectively sitting around doing nothing. But I just want to touch on the facts that we're saying about City dropping points and stuff. I would, I would question each of you and say, well, who has City lost points to this season? And I would almost guarantee that you wouldn't remember the four teams that they've dropped team uh, dropped points to. Newcastle, Liverpool, Villa, Brentford. Uh, yeah. Good googling, right? No, Squiggy also said it earlier oh, when we were going through it. Head. Look at yeah. it though. So <laughs> Newcastle, one of the most informed teams on the planet right now. You know, you can't you can't even deny that. And Man City were lucky to get a point against them, to be honest. But they dropped they dropped points against them relatively early in the season. That was a, what, like game five, game six. I'm sure. Was so it not still? Was it not still August? Liverpool. 
uh, it was August, yeah. Aren't yeah. doing well. They but do it's in Liverpool. Villa, you, when, Villa, yeah. when Villa have been terrible, they've lost to Brentford, who aren't in the best form themselves. Like I know that Man City throw like they have these games every now and then where something goes wrong. But a, in, a bad in, Liverpool in, is almost like least, bad United, though. It's like you can never, ever, ever write them off. Do you know what I mean? At least, in at least three of those games. Because I can't say so I particularly remember the Villa one. I feel like that was just constant Man City pressure. But it was I a boring like game where it they was were just very boring game. Been yeah. more Sorry on the than they normally are. Liverpool, I know it was like relatively late, and obviously City were pushing for the goal, but a three-on-one that Nunez messes up, a couple of other chances like that. Newcastle were like terrifying them on the counter attack with St Maximan. Brentford, I think, almost or maybe did like out XG them. Like that's very unusual for Man City. No, I think most of the time when they lose, it's before they had Haaland, we just couldn't score and they scored like an absolute worldie. What are you going to yeah. do? So I don't know, it just feels... Different. It, it, it feel, feels feels prime for an Arsenal title win. Tony Adams is still in Strictly, so maybe we'll get the Arsenal double this season. <laughs> As of recording. <laughs> As of recording. Well, the interesting thing will be if he stays in a bit longer or when he goes out, does Arsenal's form nose oh, dive? You, you know, current, current <laughs> side, is, is it? Is, that, is, is, there, is there a correlation? I just, I just don't think Arsenal... Like I said earlier, I've got the players. If they get in the positions where, you know, it's a it's a tight one nil game against, you know, a, a sprightly underdog team or something like that. I just they don't know whether Arsenal have got one nil against Chelsea that they dominated. They were nil nil at half time with the Wolves who are terrible and they got a win. That's not what Arsenal have done over the last few years. I just feel like again, momentum. Yeah, vibes. it's, it's... Uh, yeah, I was I was literally about to say it. it's literally. We can go into vibes. vibes now. We can talk about this other team. Arguably, Vibe FC is what we are now dubbing them on the podcast notes, which I know is just to annoy someone. But <laughs> Squiggy, do you want to talk about Newcastle, the dark horses for the title? Arguably, I know oh, we're not. Fine. I'm only joking. We're not. We're not. I know, but I can. We are. We are at the minute because the of where we are. If you looked at it now, with no, no context really of anything else. But we're in not. the context. Where, where we are in the league, we're in the title race because we are two points off Man City who are in the title race. But realistically, yeah. we are not in the title race and we shouldn't even be up there in the title race based on how we played last season. It's just, I mean, what Eddie Howe's done is like, you can't really believe the turnaround. And like, I don't think we should be up there. And it's weird, like watching games now going, oh, I hope like, like Fulham get a result against Man U and stuff like that. Oh, that was weird you know, to see you cheering us instead Leeds, of booing us or Leeds, us like, or Leeds get a result against Tottenham because it's weird not having to worry about the bottom half of the table. And, you know, we're sat in third. We've got the best defence in the league. Most clean sheets, these goals conceded. Yeah, and we score goals as well. Whereas last season, you know, we're, we're sat back. We're very, very defensive. And, you know, it's been a complete change around at the club. And like Tommy's probably going to touch on with vibes, it's it's feel good around the club since the takeover. And I think there's a bit of a connect between like the fans and the players. And the players do seem to have a like a very good camaraderie together as well. Whereas some teams, you might not get that, but it just seems that every player wants to like do their best for the other players on the pitch instead of like, oh, I'm only doing this for myself sort of thing. Whether it continues for the World Cup break, a little bit like I said before, I think the break's at the wrong time for Newcastle. You know, we're, we're in form and we basically just want to want the next game. Whether the break stops that a little bit or whether it helps because we'll get Isaac back and Maxi fully fit. But yeah. It's it's weird being a Newcastle fan at the minute. I love like that you've literally just described Man United without even wanting to. It's like the players literally just playing for themselves, just wanting to make themselves look good, but no, instead they're actually playing for the team. Well, obviously, like I say, a little different in the sense that Newcastle are doing that, whereas United has still got that sense. It's very much like they're very much playing for themselves at the moment. Who's going to grab the headline? Who's yeah. going to yeah. be the poster boy? You kind of you see it on the pitch as well. Like obviously, I. I sit there for 90 minutes every home game. And you see it like if I think there was the Everton game, Gordon squared up to, to Trippier, I think it was. And straight away, you've got five Newcastle players surrounding Gordon as if like, what are you doing? Like, he's one yeah. of us, get away. And then like yeah. after yesterday's game, you know, you start pushing down Burn, Jill Linton comes running across, Jacob Murphy comes running across with the side of the pitch to be like, no, I don't think so, mate. It's just stuff like that. You know, you, you sometimes don't see that across a lot yeah. of teams, apart from when they all absolutely hate the opposition. But there just seems to be like a feel good thing around Newcastle and long may it continue, really. I do feel compelled to ask the three of you, though. So it's a bit early to talk about, but manager of the season at the moment, there's two front runners, obviously, in Mikel Arteta and Eddie Howe. Consider the fact that Eddie Howe has only been at, as of time of recording, if I'm not wrong in saying this, has been at Newcastle for one year and like five days or something like that. Yeah. So where are we, like, on in terms of manager of the season, like, who are you kind of tipping more towards that at the moment? I think it. I think it's too early to say at the minute because Newcastle could 
fall away and just finish top 10, which is what a lot of fans wanted, probably expected at the start of the season. And I think Arteta depends on if Arsenal win the league. If Newcastle are still up there and Arsenal don't win the league, I think it'll be very, very close between Howe and Arteta. But if Arsenal win the league, then it has to be Arteta, really. But at the minute, probably Arteta because they're top of the league. But uh, uh, hold on. So Arsenal win the league, Newcastle get Champions League football next season. You're still confidently <laughs> saying Arteta? Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, it's a trophy, isn't it, for Arsenal, who haven't won, you know, they haven't won the league for, I can't remember how many years, but a lot of years. Yeah. Um, they've struggled to get even All get Champions them. League. Yeah, they've been, but they've struggled even finishing the top four for a few years. You know, it's it's probably a bigger achievement for Arteta to win the league as Arsenal manager. I'm not saying it's not a you know getting the top four is easy, but yeah, I, I just, don't I, think I'm just not so this sure. Is not because consistency I, I, though, because this is going to be the acute the, like the ending of Arteta's plan. He said he had a plan so many years, build his team, and this is like it paying off. So therefore, it's like the manager of the year. I know you don't take previous years, but it's like the accumulate. Whereas Eddie's maybe we'll get it the year after if he continued to show it wasn't a fluky season. Like, this is a process with Arteta. You can see the it's, growth. It's, it's weird, though, because Pardew did win Manager of the Year for Newcastle finishing fifth. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot and, that he won Manager of the Year, yeah, my bad. I, yeah, I, just... I never forget that, because then we give him an eight-year contract, and we all know how that ended. If Arsenal don't win the league and Newcastle finish in the top six, Eddie Howe will be Manager of the Year. I, you know, be. If Arsenal win the league, Arteta will be Manager of the season. Yeah. See, I don't know. I, I agreed with your first point there, and the reason why I say that is because if Arsenal win the league and Arteta wins the manager of the year then you're going to go well it's because Liverpool and Man City fell down but if Newcastle get Champions League it's only going to be because they played really well I don't know it's if Newcastle win the get oh sorry I say win the Champions League I mean get in the Champions League in the final in the top four if Newcastle get in the top four that's purely going to be down to Eddie Howe's management and I I guarantee being a Man United fan, not, I'm not. not I'm not look. I'm not looking. Or no, not purely. Obviously, you're going to look at players like Miggy and so on and so forth. But I'm and not. Going to be, if, if Newcastle, you know, take a top four spot, I'm not going to be saying, "Well, they done that because of Man City didn't play as well, or Liverpool didn't do as well, or Chelsea didn't do as well, United, Arsenal." I'm going to be looking at it and going, "Well, they've obviously got everything together. Eddie Howe's got them all singing on from the same hymn sheet." Whereas. If Arsenal win the Premier League as a neutral fan from both clubs, I'm looking at that and saying they won the league because Man City weren't good enough to win it. They fell down. They they Arsenal won the, win league the league because Liverpool weren't good points, which the last four years, other than like the weird COVID season, what you've had to do, that's not because other teams haven't been good enough. That's because they have been exceptional. And what if they like, win the league with if, less points? Is it if, the if, argument? If they, the, if they win the league with 79 points, then yes, it's because it's been a shit league. But if they get like 90 plus points, that's not because other teams have been bad. That's because they have been good enough to get that many points. Which is going to come down to the points. The last four or five years, you have needed 95 points to beat City to the title, other than the one weird COVID season, which was just bizarre. That's my point. 100 points, 99 points, 97 points. The weird That's COVID season, literally like my point, 90, 93, 94 points last season. That's literally my point. If Arsenal win it, because of City have done it with 93 plus points, if the, if Arsenal get it this season, then you're going to say they only done that. It doesn't matter what points they finish on. You're going to you're going to say they've no, won if, that because if, City weren't good enough. No, if 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 any team gets to like 90 plus points. They deserve to win the league regardless of what everyone else around them does because they have been so much better than everyone else. If they would, like I say, if they win the league with 79 points, that's because everyone around them has had a massive drop off because that is not a points total that a champion should be getting in a 38 game season. In the Bundesliga, yes, because you have less games, but not in like uh, not in the Premier League. That's when you would go, okay, yeah, well. Obviously, they've done well. They deserve to win it because they've finished with the most points. But everyone else around them has had a massive drop-off. Because if they're winning the league with 79 points, the next best team is 78 points. No, and that I, be, I, that's what, like, 15 points lost for City and Liverpool, at least. Obviously, it'll be more for Liverpool because they're not going to get to that many points, I don't think. But like, if, if they get to 90-plus points, Man City I, I will, do, be, will be I close hear to what that. They'll be on 85, at least. I hear what you're saying. However, the only one asterisk I've got against Arsenal at the moment, okay, they played against Spurs, North London derby. That is, for me, that is a fixture that can go completely either way. They beat Chelsea. They scraped past Chelsea 1-0. 
we can see Chelsea are in massive decline at the moment. They've not faced Liverpool yet. They've not faced City yet. They faced Man United, who were last. They beat Liverpool three two. When did they beat Liverpool? The penalty that won it, but they won. Okay, I'm so sorry, listeners. I completely forgot that. But they obviously they played Man United, who were laughable at the beginning of the season and lost. So I am not fully set on until they beat City. If they get a result against City. I guarantee I'll be on the next episode and go, okay, Arsenal have a real chance now. Until then, I can't give them the title and I can't I can't say they have a real chance of getting the title until they beat the best team in the league on paper or statistics over the last 10 years. I can't give them the title just yet. Before we move on, just want to sum up and tie back into why Newcastle are now known as Vibes FC. Can we please explain why Football Beef is now referring to Newcastle United as Vibes FC? Because I said that Newcastle are a perfect example of how feeling is, and I guess to go on just emotion, is such like a major part of football. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, the coaching is a lot better, obviously, under Eddie Howe. Some of the players are better that they have bought in January and in the summer. I know Isaac's been injured for most of the season so you can't really include him but like Botman and Bruno and Bevan De Bruyne and like all of them when they were bought you, you were trying not to sing the Bruno in the middle chant weren't you no 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 I was, I was gonna say <laughs> Big Dan Burn. I was like I want to call him Bevan De Bruyne like obviously they've invested because that's what every team does but like the improvement isn't like from what was happening last season or before I don't think is just down to they're being coached better because I think if it was just bit they're being coached better which is what we thought would happen with Eddie Howe, they wouldn't be third on 30 points, having only lost to Liverpool all season. Like, they would be eighth, ninth, something like that. And you'd be like, wow, they're doing really well this season. Because since the takeover and since Eddie Howe came in and since they bought Bruno and stuff, the, the whole feeling at the club is massively different. Like, everybody is positive. Football is, yes, it's a technical game, tactical, but it's also massively emotional. Yes. Like, when players lose their heads, they do stupid things. They make mistakes. When everybody is, like, so, this is great, we're having a good time, everything just improves. And you contrast that with Chelsea, where I'm not going to say all of their players are better than Newcastle players, because that's not true. Obviously, on current form, that is not the case. But I'm sure if you said to Newcastle, you could have these players for... You could buy these players from Chelsea, a lot of them at the start of the season would have gone, yeah, cool, we'll buy him, we'll buy him, whatever. They had the whole thing with Abramovich and the and the takeover and what's going to happen to the club. And then they got taken over and they were frustrated in transfer markets, they couldn't buy who they wanted. And then Tuchel got sacked and Potter's come in and fans aren't happy and blah, blah, blah. It, it sucks the, the team down. Whereas Newcastle are riding that wave of complete positivity of knowing that well this is so much better than what it was and that is lifting the performances and you can easily make the comparison to Liverpool as well like before Klopp came in everyone was a bit oh this isn't great and you know what's happening reached two finals yes okay this is good it's getting better we get the Champions League we get the Champions League final everybody suddenly believes the performance massively increase 98 points we missed out on the title in the Champions League. Go again for the next thing. Like it, it all plays a massive part. And like I say, I'm not saying that that's the only reason that Newcastle are where they are. That all of the fans are happy now, so they're doing really well. But and obviously, I know there's no world where there isn't the takeover. So Steve Bruce gets sacked, and Eddie Howe comes in. You buy Bruno and Isak and Botman and all these people. But I think if you take away like that positivity, like let's say Steve Bruce just gets sacked and they bring in Eddie Howe and they buy a few more players, uh, even if you just take Bruno out of it and Isak out of it and they have a different striker, I don't think the improvement is that much. I'm on the fence, kind of like I do. I do agree with what Tommy says, but I don't, and I agree that it it's probably helping certain players, but. I do think a lot of it is down to the coaching. And I think, th- again, I think like there's a feel good vibe around the club. And I think Almiron in particular is probably feeding on that vibe. Cause like, no offense to Miggy. I love Miggy. He's not a seven in seven player. He's absolutely not. It's, and it's, I do. It's, I don't feel like his performance is like, he's the perfect example. Like his performances, they're not just down to, being coached better than he was under Steve Bruce. You know, in a way, I agree that feel-good factors probably allowed him to release himself a little bit more. But I feel like he's he's being coached a lot better because we saw it under Rafa that Miggy Miggy looked a player 
under Rafa. And then Steve Bruce came in and he had Miggy playing at like defensive midfielders and number six and stuff like that. And I think it took a lot of his confidence away. And again, like, you know, a new coach has come in, probably coaching him a lot better and he's got that confidence back. But obviously he's got the backing of, you know, 52,000 right. passionate fans but every if, week if, because if of the feel good. his confidence, yeah. he probably would have taken it a lot better because like Newcastle as a whole are on a hot streak where they're confident. Like if yeah. Miggy takes half of those shots when he's not confident... Maybe he doesn't take them, but he doesn't. He doesn't take fly them. into Rose Ed or on, yeah. on under Steve Bruce before the takeover. They fly into Rose Ed. Everyone's like, "Oh, come on, why are you shooting there?" Yeah, but I. But again, I do. I do think a lot of that confidence has come from the coaching staff. They've come in, and you can see. You can see Newcastle have got a game plan in every game. They're not just kind of holding on and like hoping that the like you know that a, a twenty-five yard effort's going to go in. They are. Yeah, they are no, playing that, good, that, good that, football, that and I helps. think. And I think that's kind of why I disagree a little bit with you. I do. I do agree and disagree, and I think it's because I've like maybe it's because I watch them week in, week out, and sit there. And I've had to endure it during Steve Bruce as well. But maybe I just see it like a little bit differently that I can see that there's a part in our slight difference of opinion. (laughs) Yeah, that I can see that the players like there is a game plan there. And it's not, you know, obviously, like we said, there's confidence, there's good vibes running through the whole, the whole of Newcastle. But there's also that the coaches that have come in have just given everyone a lift and just improved it. And you can see that from from game plans and everything, like the way the way they took apart Man City. I know it was 3-3, but the way they took apart Man City, you know, how identified a weakness there and decide how he wanted to play. And again, you know, in a different game, you know, even against Chelsea, a 1-0 win, you can kind of see the game plan there. And then again, like Brentford, 5-5-1, was it, Ben? Brentford? You know, you can see, like, how he adapts his tactics to all of that. And that I think that plays a big part. But obviously that gives the players the confidence on the pitch as well. So it's like, I do agree. And then I also disagree. I still kind of agree. To move on from the positive vibes, we're going to talk about the team suffering the opposite, which Newcastle just beat so because obviously if anyone caught this we're going to talk about Chelsea now and to sum up what Peter Drury said the other day Graham Potter's Chelsea is playing a new kind of pressing football called depressing so Potter things were I know right this is why he gets paid the big bucks but Daniel any thoughts on Potter Chelsea is it going to be a short-lived reign do you see them being the old Chelsea of old really like kicking him out I do actually think it's going to be a short-lived reign so Potter reminds me a little bit a little bit of Frank Lampard in the sense it's a feel-good factor it's an English manager which I think most clubs like most most Premier League clubs like the idea of an English manager for whatever reason but I do yeah it's it is but I do I feel like it's a little bit of feel-good factor but I am drawn to a couple of episodes ago when I said I don't understand this Potter appointment. I feel like he is David Moyes Mark II when David Moyes went to Man United. Literally every single person I spoke to said the exact same bullshit thing. This just noise of, oh, look what he done at Everton with no money. Imagine what he can do with money. Listen, I'm not a rich person, but give me £10 million and I am going to squander it. So that's what David Moyes done when he got to Man United. Graham Potter got to Chelsea, and he's signing shite like a Bamiang, and he's going, oh, they're going to come in and help me. I Again, I called it on the podcast. I said they haven't signed a striker. I, I forget. I'm sorry if it was Tommy or Squiggy that jumped in and said they signed a Bamiang. I reiterate the point. They haven't signed a striker. Chelsea are in disarray at the moment. I have no clue what's going on with them but they don't have the man to lead them out of it. Unlike there's probably 10 good managers in the league right now, Graham Potter is not one of them. He done enough at Brighton, but Brighton are arguably looking the same, if not better, than they were with him. I I would throw it over to you guys just for some rebuttal on that. But for me, Chelsea are completely hopeless at the moment. I wouldn't blame Potter for the signings. Joined after the transfer window had closed, so he's not... Yeah, so it's kind of like he's had to handle these expensive misfits. Like, I I don't, like, I get what you're saying. He's got players worth all this amount of money. So it's what can he do with them compared to what he had at Brighton, players who were signed for like peanuts in comparison. But I do think it's a case of Chelsea didn't seem to have a great transfer policy and just seem a scattergun approach of which names can we get in. So I think any manager would struggle to make a tune out of them because they just don't have people in the right position or they're too heavy there and it's a mess for any manager. They might, I mean, Tuchel was doing better. Vibes. Oh, vibes. Is it vibes? I think but, I think it's weird at, at Chelsea. Like even even yesterday against Newcastle, they had 
three different players playing at right wing back and it just and I think Conor Gallagher was one of them and I just don't think what? yeah and I don't oh, think the fact Potter, they play Loftus Peak at right wing back in general and have been yeah. for a while still and I don't I don't think Potter really <laughs> knows his best team because the players aren't really the players that he probably wants but then saying that you know Cucurella's there and he, he, he didn't start them he brought them on later on and I don't think Cucurella's really started that much under Potter at Chelsea <laughs> Wasn't so there I don't... a story saying that he had some sort of bout of illness that caused him to lose a lot of weight in between his transfers or something? I want to say... I don't, I don't know, I've, say not, I've like, not read. There was some, something like that, and they said he's lost a lot of weight in the time, and it's been a case of building him back up, and he's not it, physically it, where he should might, be. That weight loss might have been the fact that he was going to the drizzling shits. Chelsea are not a good team. They're really not. If they can, I think the word there is not a team. That's what I would argue. They're not a team. Potter's yeah. got to try and form you, a team kind of, from a bund of misfits. Yeah, basically. like I don't want to bring I don't want to bring up like Newcastle again, but you know, yesterday yeah, you after do. I do because I want to like use it to prove a point. But just yet, you know, like yesterday, you know, the other arguments after the game, and like all the Newcastle players are like fighting for each other, and you've literally got Havertz there by himself. Like, oh, well, then I'll take you all on, and then looks around, and there's no one there. And I think that kind of sums up a little bit like what Daniel said about Man U. It's a bunch of players playing, just playing happen for themselves. You happen to be wearing just... the same coloured shirt. It's basically yeah. a, that's basically what it is. They just all happen to be wearing blue, and, and they're just happy. The to, they're like... just happy to pick up the like... money because you know Chelsea will pay big wages, and I think a lot of them are just happy to be there for the money. A lot of the players don't look like they really care that much. You know, even when they went one 0 down yesterday, it's just the players didn't look bothered. It was as if oh well. I was kind of wondering, is it down to the manager not being a big enough name? You know, like even when Rafa went to Chelsea, the Chelsea fans absolutely hated him. But Rafa was a big name, and he got the players playing. And did they win the Europa League that year? Under Rafa, yeah, but like it did, yeah, yeah, and it's stuff like that. And you know, there was obviously, like we'll talk about vibes. There was bad feeling between the fans, probably the owner and the manager, but they still managed to win the Europa League because the players probably wanted to play for the manager. And I don't really see the Chelsea players wanting to play for Potter. It just seems like a lot of them probably think, oh, he's only here as a short term. A bit like David Moyes at Man U, the players expect a big Literally, name to come I just, in. I thought <laughs> the exact same thing, though. In the same sense, though, how you just said it, in the sense that the when um, Ferguson left, it's last season I was playing for Sir Alex Ferguson. This season I'm playing for David Moyes. It's just like, oh, fuck it. Do you know what? I'm just going to whatever. Because yeah, some of these players have gone from playing, playing for like a club legend at Chelsea that had Conde... <laughs> Lampard was a Lampard. scapegoat. Yeah. Lampard was a scapegoat. Lampard couldn't it. do much there. No, absolutely you know, not. He was still a Chelsea legend, so he probably had that respect because of that. And then yeah. they've had Tuchel, you know, he's he's won Tuchel's being at PSG, you know, and he's he's done he's done things. Whereas Potter Yeah. Whereas what's Potter done? You know, he, what did he get Swansea to like mid table in the championship? Got oh, Brighton got to the top ten. Final. I, 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 as much as I hate the use of the phrase transitional season, Chelsea have made this a transitional season for them. There have been some and, yeah. interesting decisions made by the new owners, but they are that is part of the transition. I think the difference between Potter and Moyes is the probably the type of coach and the type of football that Graham Potter wants to play. I know that it's very different pressures and players at Brighton and Chelsea, but the way that Brighton played was very much how you would expect a top team to play. Unlike Everton under Moyes, which were very much like defensively strong, get the ball up to Fellaini and and all this it was, stuff. It was Sam Allardyce football, but under a different manager, wasn't exactly. it really? And that's for, from Manchester United to go from, for, from Ferguson and Fergie football to Moyes is very different. Graham Potter's not had a chance to bring in players that he would want to work with. The transfer approach over the summer from Chelsea was interesting, but I would say again that's because it's transitional. Like they, the new owners came in, Ted Bowley came in, but he doesn't have, and he probably doesn't have the football knowledge, like you said. But he didn't have like a sporting director or like whoever was there left before those players to bring to be like, okay, this is the right person. That wasn't there. If they get that in, the future will be better. I don't know if Graham Potter will be there long term. I think he should be because I think he is a very good coach, which he proved at Brighton. Whether the players care, I don't know. Like there might be, there probably is some element of it because I feel like a lot of footballers probably do have quite a high opinion of themselves. Like they'll be like, you do know how much this club paid for me. Why am I being coached by Harry Potter's cousin? I was, I was literally going. I was yeah. literally going to say that. Yeah, um, yeah. He's quite a young manager like, in context. He's one. not managed at the top before. Forty-seven, so not quite as young as I thought, but. There probably is an element of it for some players being like, 
rather than Spurs players under Conte being like, wow, it's Antonio Conte or Liverpool with Klopp or, you know, things like that. And there was probably an element of it at Arsenal, which is why he got rid of Aubameyang and things like that, because he was like, you don't respect me, but he should be given time. There's never I would say that with Arteta, though. His man management, his man management seems to be pretty damn good. We did see that yeah. on the all or nothing. I think for, for Chelsea, I think it was they shouldn't have sacked Tuchel when they did. I agree with that, but at the same time, it kind of feels like it. I will be honest; it does feel like Potter's been thrown into a he, he, he red has. hot frying pan, and he, it's just he, like he believe for whatever reason that he's like, yeah, I can go in there and I can do what I need to do. I think a lot of it as well is because of the schedule so far this season with European football. It's been like and the Carabao Cup just before the break. It's been like a game every three days, which reduces the chance to actually yeah, 100%. coach a lot, which probably impacts it. Whereas Newcastle, for example, again, just have had more time. I, do you know what? I feel like my every, my like every three days, but it's been my beef with Potter. Matches. My beef with Potter seems to be this, and I know it's so stupid because it doesn't actually matter to me at all. But why did he take the Chelsea job? Surely it's, it's, a, it's a chance to go manage. It's Chelsea. a higher it's ceiling. It's a higher ceiling. Like yeah, exactly. Did he look at Chelsea it, and say, "I, I can fix that"? Probably. No, I know what I'm doing there. I can fix that. What's going on right now? What if he's been told by the ownership, you've got month with like this season? What if he's done the transitional season? Like, I know it's not going to hit off because he kept yeah. saying they want him to go on about young players. So if he's logically going, I want this team to be young and use the academy and all that stuff and invest and build, he might have gone to him, look, I've got a five-year plan. I don't care. As long as you hit these minimal targets that are realistic... You're here for the five-year plat. Well, I don't it's know. Never, what it's, it's never going to hit might. that because we know media control football because that's what happens. As soon as a player, as soon as a manager gets start putting under the cosh and it's out, out, out. You know, nine times out of ten, that happens. Potter's I'm not disagreeing with the, the, the media. I, I don't. We don't know where this owner is in terms of how easily pressured he is, stuff like that. Some people. I feel. I feel like I'm a little bit annoyed at Potter stuff. for it. I would assume that to having made the decision to sack Tuchel when he did, not long after the transfer window closed, having done what they done in the transfer window, and you go and get a coach like Graham Potter, obviously he might be quite volatile, but you you would make the assumption that well, they're going to give him till the end of the season and maybe the season after, depending on how like if next season come January they're fifteenth, he will probably be sacked. But if they, yeah, I agree with that, and that's why I said he's a scapegoat. Then, but I feel I feel like he might have also seen it as a bit of a free hit, being like, I think I can do great. And like for any professional sports person, athlete, person involved in sport, if they're not like pushing themselves to go to the next level, like what is the point? Also, <laughs> so he's probably like, w- when else is a big job going to come up that he thinks actually that's great? Like he could easy, maybe he was like, well, actually, Jurgen Klopp might leave in three years, or Guardiola might leave in <laughs> two years. I can stay at Brighton for that long, but then okay, you have another two years of Brighton maybe finishing ninth, but more yeah. likely finishing like 12th, 13th. If I go to Chelsea and accept this job, they'll give me a lot of money to spend. I can buy players that I want. But also, it is a little bit of a free hit. Like, he had a good reputation before Chelsea. I don't think there'll be many Premier League teams that, if it goes badly for him at Chelsea and he's sacked at the end of the season or sacked at some point next season, they'll go, mm, Graham Potter, not sure about that one. They'll go, like, it's Chelsea, sack happy. Yeah, loads of guns. Come from the championship. If they stay up for one season and change their manager, they'll probably like Graham Potter. We like Graham Potter. Like he's he's almost. Like, oh, I'm not gonna say no lose situation because he could lose his job at some point. But <laughs> is know. it kind of he's in not the gonna same... hit his reputation? Is basically yeah, what you're exactly. saying long term. Yeah. Is it kind of in the same? Is, is it in the same vein as Pochettino at PSG? Obviously, we saw what he done at Spurs. He's gone to PSG. Out, out, out. And then I kind of still feel like. Any Premier League team would be like, yeah, no, we'd have him still. Do you He's know a I mean? falling upwards manager. I like to say this privately in other group chats that I say that Pochettino is the only manager I know that fails upwards. Like he doesn't meet the targets you think he's going to make, but he still gets linked to all the big jobs. So Potter could be the same. Yeah, he's. I mean, I don't think you hold Chelsea against them. If he got sacked, if he got sacked in January or February, weirdly, or at the end of the season, like Tommy said, I don't think most clubs are go well. Potter's no good, or whatever. They go well. He did really well at Brighton, and the situation was really difficult at Chelsea. And maybe he was sacked too soon. All that they will literally just go. It's Chelsea being Chelsea and sacking I managers. Think, I think the difference between Chelsea and PSG is that PSG literally have all the money in the world. Like there's, also- there's literally nothing that they can't do, pretty much within re- financial financial fair play in air quotes reason. My so, favorite words, was, yeah. There's, there's word. What do words even mean anyway? What are <laughs> words? But, um, I'd say that's uh, part of the main difference. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with what you sort of said that he's in a no lose situation. And again, I'm, I'm more. I think it's more. It'll be more telling of what kind of owner this guy is going to be at Chelsea. That if if Potter say gets sacked at the end of the season, then he probably know that he's going to be one of those owners that just he wants instant success. But I think if he, you know, if he gives Potter a bit of time, then like you said, say they are struggling next season, makes a change. But if they're still sort of, you know, top six next season and he keeps his job, then I think they'll, they'll accept accept that. A little bit like Arteta at Arsenal. You know, they finished out the Champions League places, but they're stuck by him. But again, they probably couldn't really afford it, to sack it, him. It'll be, because... it'll be disappointing. The fans will be frustrated, but I think they will stick with him. I still think coming into the season, the the top seven will be the top six plus Newcastle at this point. Don't know who's going to finish where outside of probably Arsenal Man City is the top two, but I think Chelsea will be in those European places. Talking of European places and successful teams, we're just going to have an FPL update now. So we're going to go to Kaylee for an FPL update. Good evening. Kaylee here, your main source on the totally buzzed FPL league with the world cup upon us and FPL set for a mid season break. Let's look at how the first half of the Premier League season has left the table looking. Team Red or Dead topped the table with 947 points. Team Miners Gold are in the second place, just five points behind them on 942 points. And in third place with 938 points is Team Oil Can't Buy. Given how close the top of the table is, Team Red or Dead is no doubt thankful that he relied on Kieran Trippier, Miguel Almiron, and Harry Kane in the final week of Premier League action before the break as they were his three highest scorers. Now to the bottom. Team Wasted Youth 25 continues to prop up the table with them only having a score of 578 points. Sat above them in the table is Team Stonos FC, but they're several points clear of Team Wasted Youth 25 as they're on 653 points. And rounding off the bottom three is Team Nash Holes and Team Factor Sui as they both sit on the 667 points. Remember to stay tuned to www.totallybuzz.co.uk and follow at BuzzedFootball on Twitter for weekly FPL updates on the Totally Buzzed League. I've been Kaylee. Back to you, Laura, for more football beef. And that was our FPL update. We now talked a lot about the top half, but we're going to, before we end the Premier League monthly, we're going to look at the bottom half of the table, which includes several new managers coming in. I the relegation hope. battle. is. Does anyone think there's anyone certain for relegation now? Or are we all sort of got no one down as definites? Because I feel the last podcast, we all had little signs that said Nottingham Forest, but they've done well in the last month. They have. And Wolves, I think. Wolves. Wolves are... <laughs> Wolves are bad. Yes, Wolves, West Ham, up there, Everton. Wolves' problem is they can't score. Like, yesterday against Arsenal, they played some decent football until they got to the final third of the pitch, and they just didn't know what to do. I feel like that's been Wolves' playbook for so long. Yeah, and and I think this season it might catch up with them eventually, and I think that'll be them. I feel like I... Said at the start they might struggle, but that's not that's not entirely my thing. I think it was Matt Davis Adams on the um, Totally Football show, like back in like May at the start of the year was like Wolves next season, and he's been proven right because they they don't score enough goals, they don't attack well. Their defense last season was basically saved by Jose Sarr, who's then not doing as well this season because how could he realistically? They're just not that good. They need to to have a proper striker who can how- score goals and have actual chances made for him so I, I think like the one of the times i remember watching wolves this season was against tottenham they absolutely dominated that first half they did not score and they lost yeah they absolutely battered us at their place and yeah. we scored a 90th minute equalizer because yeah. they just they just couldn't you, score you, more than one goal you, you put you, you actually create proper chances for them have somebody who can score goals bosh they'll be all right but i just don't have faith that they're going to buy the right player or have the right player especially when Sasha Kaladzic who they bought did his ACL in like the first game that felt just like bad luck that is unfortunate but that that sometimes basically means you're going down if you know what I mean (laughs) when you're shit out of luck you're shit out of luck yeah yeah do you know Uh, what's crazy uh quickly you're talking about Wolves not being able to score goals however in the last six games they've scored more than Everton West Ham Chelsea like I, I don't know it's, it's they've, not yeah, they've, scored eight, they've scored eight goals all season how many of those have come in the last six games 
that is not, that is not yeah. sustainable. And the, and the difference five, is Wolves yeah. are at the bottom of the table doing if, that. If, whereas, if, same same if as you, Southampton. You scored, like, you have scored eight goals in 15 games and five of them have come in your last six. That is evidence that, that is not sustainable. You're not you're going, going, you're going down. And you, yeah, a no, new I manager can't come in and save that. Even, even, I get if, that. even if they keep a lot more clean sheets. Well, it's the fact that, you know... You can't, you can't survive had, on draws. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's their defence and they've conceded 12 in the last six. Whereas, obviously, that's, you know... <laughs> they've scored more than Everton, but Everton have conceded eight. I don't like to say that Wolves are, like, nailed on to go down, but I feel like looking at the table and... I feel like it's fair to players, say. Maybe, looking at the table, looking at the stats, maybe, maybe Southampton, are... but that's more of like a new manager thing, I think. Like, they've got a very young team. They're getting a manager from the championship. Like, I know he did very well at Luton last season, obviously, but is there going to be enough improvement to keep them up? Can you just I imagine don't... if Chelsea went down? Just I... imagine. Chelsea aren't going to go down. They're know, not they're in not, this battle. I think the problem is, is that it's Current so close. That, you know, in theory, <laughs> any anyone really... From tenth, maybe like I don't want to bring Fulham into that. No, but, bring you Fulham know. into it because I think Fulham are into it, in it. Like, like at the you know, end ninth, of the day. ninth, ninth place down. Sorry. They lost you today, know. you know. It's not it's just, just the losing; it's the losing in the last minute, last two games. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, I literally not mentioned it until now. Just let me have no, no. this as a recording. Not... Man United just beat Fulham. I honestly thought we were going to lose three or four nils given the team we went in. So I'm, I'm actually really impressed how well we look when we're weakened now. You know what I mean? Like definitely the last time we come up. If we were missing one key player, we would have been. But be even be with happy. all our key players, we would have been three or four down. So I'm happy we put up a fight. We showed respect when we looked really good and stuff. But in we started Marshall up front and not big Harry Maguire. Um, there is that. I mean, I would be. I was fearing that because Harry Maguire up front is a nightmare. In, for in fairness, I don't. I don't think Fulham are going to go down. But I think I it's all going to be so. so. I think but stuff can happen. We've been unlucky with injuries this season, and if that bad be. luck continued. I think there'll be three teams that are worse than Fulham. Yeah. I don't think I, I think because there's just so many teams that look like they could go down, I think yeah. it's very hard to say like nailed on. Yeah, if like Leicester were nailed on. If you push me for three now, I'd probably say Wolves, Southampton and Bournemouth. I interesting. That's in my heart, I, I actually think West Ham. I really am. But I also think they're gonna pull the trigger on Moyes soon. I don't think Moyes is gonna I be think... in that job much longer. So I think I'm expecting West Ham to get a new manager and bounce. I think Leeds up. Everton Wolves. I think Leeds are a fair shout because Leeds do the thing that really annoyed me when Fulham got relegated, where they give you enough hope in a game that you think you're gonna get a point. I realise how what results I'm saying it's this just, back on Fulham. It's and not, then it's they still don't get them. Yeah. It's not sustainable to like try and outscore your opponent when you're in that position because outscoring the opponent means you've got you know like the one four three. The, the, when you say outscoring, because that is how you win a game, you mean the fact they're like yeah, sorry, you have like, three goals, but yeah. we're going to score four to get. Yeah, all not not just I, winning one nil and like outscoring Newcastle, Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool. It's alright, yeah. we can't defend. Let's just fucking score goals. But, that, but that's fine when you're when you're near the top of the league. When you're you know Top's two points off points the relegation. On the board. Oh, you can't do that. Liverpool weren't though. I I I miss Brendan Rodgers Liverpool team. I thought you miss Brendan Rodgers. I'm like you're just ignoring I, Leicester. I don't. And I just kind of think that Everton as well. I mean, they're such a hit and miss team. When we when they played at St James's Park, they were possibly one of the worst teams I've ever seen play football at St James's Park. And then the week after, they go and win three 0 or something. I hate and to be that it was person. just. But Everton vibes is basically what you're. Are we going to go with vibes? We're covering what you're it's, saying. It's not, terrible it's, team. But it's not. But it's not even vibes. That they are generally one of the worst footballing teams I've ever seen. Like people going, Alex Awobi's amazing. He's absolutely shit. Just the rest of the players around him are that bad that he looks good. Like I think they were saying that he was first in all of Everton's stats or something. Yeah. Oh and yeah, he had like he all... had like eight eight goals and assists. And I'm like, Armand's done that in a month, mate. How are? Squiggy, I've oh, got to oh. jump on you on this for because actually the Everton Man United game, I was sitting there going, "Fuck, Alex Awobi looks really good." Without <laughs> actually looking at my own team, going, "God, we're fucking awful." I, like, I've seen Awobi this season. He stands out at Everton when you've seen him play on t- like Awobi has, and you're like, "My God, they are right. It's all clicking for Awobi." But now you said that, I'm now thinking maybe it's a point. Maybe if you put someone <laughs> next to players that are worse than him and he just looks better than what they got because he's actually trying I, I, and I, I dribbling forward. I, I don't want to be really Anthony, mean. But Anthony Gordon looked... has a career because he's 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 Alex Awobi, but just a little bit quicker. How dare you? Anthony Gordon has more yellow cards than goals. Awobi would never. Don't you? Don't oh, that's, you compare that's them? That's true. Um, but yeah, I think Everton uh, want to go, especially if like Calvert Lewin's never going to be fit. 
and obviously they lost <laughs> Richarlison last year. I mean, I know they've got Cody and Tarkovsky in defense, but, yeah, but I, I, I don't, I don't see tactics from Everton. I don't see a game plan. I see a at the back for them. That's for sure. Exactly. I kind yeah. of, but I kind of it, see a, a team that are we're going to try and be no Wolves, Wolves and Burnley both had Tarkovsky and uh, Cody in defense, and they were both shit. It doesn't mean they're ever going to be better by having them. It There's doesn't. only so you could be the best centre backs in the world, but if you're continually being, you know, attacked and carved, you know what? I'm, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna, does, you're, they're does, gonna get broken down at some it point. Does, it does seem that everyone are playing to hit on the counter attack with no counter attack in football. So basically, I'm gonna do this quickly to sum up. Name your three teams that you're most worried for. I feel like Tommy's already said his, but I would go with this. Tommy, three teams you're most worried for if you're going relegation because there is like ten teams you could be. Southampton, Bournemouth. Because I know it's done well, but I don't think it's sustainable. Squiggy? Wolves, Everton and Leeds is my three. Daniel? I've got Wolves, Everton and West Ham. I've got Wolves, Forest and West Ham. What a great time. Dream. But like I said, I so, want to put an asterisk so next Wolves to West Ham. Up, don't come at us. Well, to be fair, last month we were like, it's over for Forest, it's over. And now we're like, you know what, good guy. <laughs> You're the only one that said Forest. Wolves need is a good gain against Liverpool to give themselves some momentum and belief. I'm still That's all they need. Just vibes, Liverpool vibes. Yeah, exactly. Liverpool vibes. I'm just kind of undecided on Forest, but I think I think eventually the players that they sign will click. Eventually, maybe this international break. Maybe this breaks come at a good time for them to click on the training pitch. They've got Um, one of my favourite players. I don't want them to fail. Jaylings? Huh? What? You you could only mean Jaylings. Yeah, I was like (laughs) Jaylings. Absolutely not. <laughs> I thought you said Ailing. I'm like, Luke, I'm Luke Ailing's in a, he's a lead. Jack Colback, yeah, just, isn't just, it? Just, just, just edit everything off this point. You go, Jaylings, and then just like clip <laughs> Daniel some, somewhere <laughs> in the podcast saying, yeah. And this was in, Football in, Beef. Thanks. In, or whatever in fact, actually, I think my favourite Nottingham Forest player, RL Mangala, he's my favourite Nottingham Forest player. He's one of my favourite players in the entire league right now. Speaking of bad vibes, the podcast now has to come to an end because we've Ooh. debated. There's actually been beef on a football beef, I think. There was a good debate. There was hot stuff. Obviously, I was enjoying it. If you were gonna, if you're listening and you have your own views and everything, do tweet us them at BuzzFootball and we can debate on there. Maybe get we're gonna start beef up. I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm gonna be dealing with some angry Twitter users. Yeah, come at me. I'll no. you, Daniel from RBR. We'll fight. Yeah, at him too. So anyway, if you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure you like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to and rate us five stars to help the algorithm so we can be discovered by more people naturally. And yeah, keep tuned. Stay on this feed. Hit turn your notifications on and enjoy your World Cup and then come back for more. To the Premier algorithm. League and we'll see you when the Premier League resumes. Football base! Not heard the latest about pooping Prime Ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? Because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the Totally Buzz podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed.